This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. <laughs> I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this. <laughs> Welcome back to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm your host, Michael McMillan, and with me always is your other host. Hi, guys. Bryce Johnson here. Hi, guys. Bryce Johnson. What's up, dude? Not much, man. How you doing? It's good. Uh, so uh, we are about to enter our second episode in our Crazy Ex-Girlfriend <laughs> tie-in, tie-in miniseries. Yes. Thank God you're on this show. I know, right? <laughs> I can only It's the only way I've been able to book guests for our Bigfoot <laughs> podcast. It's just asking everybody I know from work if they want to come be on it. I think it works well. And uh, we have a very lovely guest today. Uh, she do. is one of my uh, my character Tim's other co-workers at White Feather and Associates. We have the lovely Esther Povitsky. Hi. Yeah. Hi. I forgot to plug where you were from. What? Other than Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, oh. you also have a podcast. I do. It's called Glowing Up, and we discuss makeup and health and beauty stuff. Ghosts? We don't discuss ghosts yet. <laughs> Extraterrestrials? Not yet. That's Dang. what I'm here for today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think ghosts wear makeup maybe sometimes, right? Oh. Like they're in the mirror like putting on rouge or something. Sure. <laughs> they, yeah, they might need it. Yeah. Well, you would, no I would, offense to ghosts. I would imagine... You do look a little pale. I would imagine that uh, that certain objects, you know, we know that like sometimes ghosts are attracted to certain objects. So I can imagine a, a haunted vanity table where maybe an, a, a lady of a manor comes back to, to uh, you know, to, to visit her things. That is my dream. Like a haunted vanity or a haunted, um, like a haunted lipstick. Yes. How powerful would you be if you owned that? Wait a minute. Cool. That would be cool. So a haunted lipstick, does that mean a ghost comes out of the lipstick? Or mm. when you put it on, you become a ghost? Maybe it's just like, you're working it, girl. I, I feel like I picture, like, I just, when I have that in my in my being, in my possession, right. that I have, like, a little bit extra power that yeah. day, you know? Ooh. Like, I, I was always a person who felt like ghosts were my friends. And I don't know if this is a common thing, if you've heard anyone talk about this yet. But I feel like I was kind of, like, I spent a lot of time alone as a kid. Like, I, I always say I wasn't raised... I was watched, which, like, I was kept safe, I, but no one, like, really... No wonder you thought you were friends awesome. with ghosts. Yeah, like, no one really engaged I with me. I was watched. So I grew up really thinking that ghosts were not a scary thing, and ghosts were, like, I, they were on... I was on their side, and they were on my side. 
wow, this is a TV show. <laughs> yeah. Esther's Haunted Vanity. <laughs> well, we actually, so the first season of my show, we tried to write an episode around. Oh, which we have to, uh, uh, real quick, oh, drop, yeah. is airing today, I think. Yes. As this airs January 10th. We're, we're, we're record, pre-recording this uh, a little bit ahead of time. But um, Esther has a new show coming out for on Freeform. Yes, it's called Alone Together, and it airs Wednesday, January tenth, which I think is today, uh, and at eight thirty. And but last season we tried to break a story based on me wanting to buy a haunted armoire, <laughs> which great. is so crazy that you said that. How wild is that? I know, and that's the first thing on the top of my list for season two to how to make that story work. Yeah. Uh, let's break it out right now. <laughs> yeah, I think can, you we just, can help you with that. Yeah, you just play this podcast. Yeah. We'll, we'll get a little outline credit for mm. it. <laughs> yes. So you, you weren't scared of ghosts as a child? No, because my grandfather and my grandmother both died in my house before I was born. So I, I grew up in the house that my father was raised in, and they both died there in front of my dad, which is crazy, which he recently told me that. And your dad is not a suspect in either way. <laughs> Yes. No, he's cleared. Well, oh. I, I don't know. No, he's not a suspect <laughs> until now. Um, but so that always, I always felt would which again, I'm hearing this is co- more common recently, but like, I've always felt like this deep connection to those grandparents who I never met because I was raised in their home. And I just, I don't know. You just feel connection to your ancestors or whatever that you haven't met. Um, and so I always felt like they were in the house potentially and if they were they were there to like protect me or look over me so it ghosts always felt like a positive thing that i was very hopeful more and, like the grandmother tree in pocahontas yeah like or the a fairy godmother kind of yes feeling that's you, cool. you know what you asked it is a recurring theme there's a, been a few stories of like hope and like where, yeah. where ghosts have like started scary but it ended you know maybe there was a message towards the end that wasn't wasn't so scary Right, like I ultimately feel that I'm on the same side as the ghosts, and the ghosts will know that whether it's my grandparents or like in a right. haunted house. But when it, when it comes on... down to the reckoning, you're you're good. Yeah, but how can you be on the same side of the ghosts? You're on the side of the living after. <laughs> you have that to be... is a really good point. You can never truly be <laughs> on the side of the ghosts. Yeah, not in this world. I guess you're right. Not until the... listen, we're gonna have an eternity on the side of the ghosts. Gosh, that's Possibly. a thing. My fingers are crossed. <laughs> and it'll be a beautiful vanity table. Oh, wow. So you, so uh, did you ever have, since your grandparents, you, you said you felt a presence, but you never had any paranormal experience in the house? No. So there was one experience that it seems so mild and it's almost seems like a throwaway, like it's nothing, but it has stuck with me till this day. And... It's it's like the first thing that comes to my mind, and it's I was in my bedroom, which is I think the room where my grandfather died. My yeah, my grandfather died in my room, and then the room next to it, my grandma died in. And I was making out with my boyfriend in high school. Whoa, wow, this took a left turn. Yeah. I was not expecting. As as in scary movies, there's always somebody totally. making out, some teenager. Sure. So did he climb in through the window? No, he didn't. Oh. My parents didn't care what happened, so he just came through the front door. <laughs> um, they just watched as he yeah. walked through the front door and up to your bedroom. She's up the stairs. <laughs> yeah, we'll be down here just watching, <laughs> right? Casually and... observing our child's growth and development. <laughs> oh, and I. It just so happened that that day I was wearing my grandfather's dog tags, which 
I don't know. I was going through a dog tag phase, I guess. I thought it was super sexy. So I was wearing those and we were making out and the, like, I had a, a towel and a purse hanging on the doorknob, and we had been in the room for hours, so it wasn't like, oh, we just closed the door and something fell. Was but, the purse the signal to your mom and dad not to come in because no, you were getting it on? No, it was on my side <laughs> of the oh, okay. door. That was the sign that said, don't come in, yeah. we're getting it yeah. on. <laughs> um, so, and then just all of a sudden, the bag and the towel just fell really fast off the off the door into the floor and it's like i said it sounds really minor and really mild but nothing like that had ever happened before it didn't it wasn't caused by any kind of movement it just kind of happened and it really like we both like kind of lost our stomachs at it it was so strange felt something yeah and i kind of was like well that combined with the first time i was ever wearing his dog tags and like about to hook up well yeah totally <laughs> wow it did just feel like someone was like Meh. yeah uh, again there's that uh yeah. association with items you know the, mm. the, the dog tag there was i met a psychic uh once she was a uh, medium and um she talked about what she used to do she didn't actually contact Excuse me as I uh, suppress a belch from my <laughs> cup of coffee. It got, got dangerously close to just like being like, um, we're all at home here. But she uh, would she would take like your keys or your ring. She liked metal objects, and then mm. she would do a reading uh, based on that. And she could pick up on memories and stuff because she felt energy was kept in, especially metal objects like that. So it's possible that that those dog tags of his were sort of a conduit for for him in a way. Yeah, I had my dad's dog tags. I remember I wanted them so bad, and I I went so far as to remember the the dog tag serial number, RA one eight nine one nine one seven eight. And I used to wear wow. them. I think I lost them, which I suck for that. But yeah, I too like love. I went through a dog tag phase. Right. It's like I'm cool. Check me out, dog tags. But. <laughs> But uh, no, was, they were very special to me. And you know. yeah, I need to. F- I don't know where mine are either. I'm going home for the holidays. Hopefully, they're somewhere in my bedroom. But I think that uh, you know those tiny moments like this, like you know, we are doing this podcast, and 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 as you came, Esther came in. Uh, I'm now speaking to the audience here, uh, going. I don't know if I have any paranormal stories, and we've had a couple guests do that. But you, you know, these don't all have to be. Holy shit, Bigfoot mm. picked me up in a taxi and then we went to Coachella. <laughs> That's later. <laughs> you know? <laughs> the, the, these little I the, these are the things that I find really actually more uh satisfying in a way are these quiet, calm, personal moments that are full of meaning. Mm-hmm. And I do think you have to trust your instinct that like, okay, something that was something weird and if you read something weird into a moment, follow that. You know, don't brush it off. Yeah. No, it's so important to follow your gut, you know what I mean? Especially what I picked up on is that, like, you know, you said you could, there was, like, the kind of the moment drop. There definitely felt something, in, you know? Yeah. Like a weird, like a change of uh, energy or something, but. Yeah. The other thing that, it's this isn't an incident, but I remember it's something that someone once said that I really related to, and it was, like, you know when you're in, like, the basement or something, you know, you're in a dark room, and sometimes it's, like, fine, and you're just able to grab what you need or you know, grab the laundry, whatever it is you're doing. And then there's sometimes where like this rush comes over you and you just have to run out. You're yes. just like, I got to run out of here. <laughs> That's most times for me. Yeah, yeah. Like that is so real. And like, I remember when, like, so I guess when there's that time, I think the person said like, 
there's a, there might be a reason for that. Like, and maybe it is like you are, there is a reason that you're so scared and you have to run away. Maybe it's just like mental, which is totally an option, sure. but the, maybe it's not. Maybe there's a real reason that you're like, oh, I got to get out of here. Yeah. Maybe you're picking up on uh, the, the so-called sixth sense or something. You know, we have receptors to those things just because we don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. You it, know? Really, it is odd though, that there is like often, and maybe this just goes back to our primal nature, that there's a, a, a big, a, a, a like higher sense of urgency in the dark. Right. Mm. One of my recurring nightmares as a kid was that I would go into my bathroom and the light wouldn't come on, and mm-hmm. I had to go to the back of the bathroom and walk back out, and I just knew as a kid that there was something waiting for me at the back oh, of yeah, the room, yeah. and I'd, I'd have to go get a towel or something or yeah. a dopey or something, and then and I, and I would always remember like waking up right as I was heading back out the door and seeing something move in the reflection of the mirror to come get me and then i would wake up yeah yeah very creepy my son my son even like you could tell he hates walking through the hallway at night he does that like fast trot like like the dark is like right on his back he's like right into bed you know and then i'm like oh and then i'll do it coming out the back too i'm like shut the door quick nobody's felt like somebody's watching me but i'm good the door's shut you know i do think you bring up a good point about that which is like from an evolutionary perspective, you're right. Like it is probably because in the dark there were animals that oh, we couldn't fight see. Fight or flight, yeah. Yeah, and that we knew they'd attack us. Which I hate to bring science or whatever you'd want. No, you call yeah. it. we are nothing if not scientists on this podcast. That's right. Yeah. We're official scientists. I fully identify as a scientist. I'm not kidding. I say that all yeah. the time. That's why Dr. Venkman was my favorite character, because so did he. You know? yeah. He associated you himself with science. Look, man, we're living hey, in... Hey, man, back up. I'm a scientist. We're living in the... Well, this is 2018. Maybe we're not living in the Trump era anymore, but you, I think you can just call yourself whatever you want, <laughs> right. and it's right. I do feel like I have to say, though, that I do come from a place of... I I do believe in science, and I don't... I want to believe in ghosts and I I'm a person who really really wants to but has a really hard time believing but I really want to. Well, you know, lucky for you, um the majority of the science uh field is ignoring a lot of these these great paranormal or Ooh. cases or or whatever. But there are a lot of scientists who are on board and and you know, some of the greatest evidence are scientifically backed up and and they have witness testimonials and triangulated reports, and which is a great segue into what I'm going to be talking Ooh, about next. I'm excited. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But uh, I think, too, you know, we've, we've sort of touched on this before, but I think a lot of this stuff can and will be eventually scientifically explained. Some of it might be uh, stuff that we learn about the brain. Some of it mm. might be, you know, there's this theory of the infrared sound stuff that, like, causes people to have delusions and hear and feel creepy because there's this... Um, almost uh, subliminal sounds that like humming of of furnaces or machines or something in the neighborhood or electrical currents can trigger your brain into thinking you're having a paranormal experience. Mm. And then I think some of them are going to turn out to be ghosts. And we just, there's a scientific explanation for what a ghost is. We just don't have the science to explain it because it's, if it's something that exists outside of our reality, then uh, we, you know, we only have third dimensional science through which to observe the rest of the universe i think we're really limited on a cosmic scale of i mean we're very gifted as a species to be able to learn everything that we have but i don't think we're ever going to get the full picture 
you know? Yeah. I don't know. And I'm okay with that. But I, I love, think that there is the ultimately, it, ultimately there's always a scientific ex- explanation for any of this stuff. Uh, before we get to our next segment, I want to ask you, okay, so ghosts, you're open. What about aliens? Uh, that... Now that, that, sci- that, that sounds to me like the most scientifically yeah. easy to support. The so, universe is vast. Yes. Yeah, so I guess my <laughs> two cents on aliens, my take is that there's almost no way that there's not life out there. Like, it has to be. That's crazy to think. Like, once you start thinking about galaxies and how far shit goes out, yeah. that's when I'm like, oh, I need to sit down. I have a headache. It's yeah, so you're, su- scary. you're suddenly yeah. the kitten walking across the giant room that shrinks to the floor because you're like, oh, I'm so small. I'm yeah. so small. No, I often tell my kids there are more, you know, grains of sand on all the beaches of the world than there are stars in the galaxy. No, other yeah. way around. Oh, same thing. <laughs> same thing. I like to confuse them, but they get the gist. Yeah. But yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. The numbers are insane. Yeah, it is. It's wild. Like, there obviously has to be life on other planets, and it's funny. Like, I haven't thought about this in so long, but it's it's scary and exciting and interesting, and I wish that I'm very hopeful, again, that, like, in my lifetime, I'll get to learn about that. But I'm also scared. But I also think it's so cool. You very may well be. Um, you and know, what the, about? There's a, some people at SETI that uh, one of the lead um, astronomers at SETI, you know, has the feeling that you know we'll make contact within the next 20 years. You oh know? my gosh! But that's just one person's opinion, you know. Do you guys? We don't. <laughs> we don't appreciate other people's opinions here. <laughs> just ours and our guests. It does right. feel like how is it going to work because we see all the movies where aliens just want to kill us and we want to kill them like is there ever going to be where we're like let's just learn about each other. I think totally. possibly but I also think that a uh, a a extraterrestrial species that has evolved uh, there is advanced enough to um travel interstellar distances mm. with would be science a, that we don't understand are so far ahead of us evolutionary wise they'd be a benevolent presence yeah, well, i think that or or they would be the way that we go observe animals in the wild they're like they don't interact they observe right. they might tag a few they might test a few but i think that we are uh even though we're obviously hopefully more evolved than ants mm-hmm. i think they might regard us in that sense it's like well these guys are so far behind us. We're just going to observe and possibly intervene if they ever. Ants have know. a pretty complex social. Structure, they do. So it. do we. Have you been on Instagram lately? <laughs> I weirdly think that aliens are less evolved, but in almost like a better way. Like they're not ruining their planet and they don't have iPhones, but they're. You know, I, that's kind of what my my gut tells me. Right. But it gets so like infinite that I'm like, wait, what if? What if my soulmate is like actually in a different galaxy? Oh, I love that. Yes. Like, what if his name is Drakach? Like, I want to meet him. Is he a tall blonde Venusian or is he a uh, Draco? Is he a reptilian yeah. sex lord? <laughs> well, <laughs> who knows? Well, I guess we'll have to find out within the next 20 years. I know. And then Bigfoot, you, what, what's your take on like cryptids, animals that we haven't discovered that, that have a mythological presence in our society? Um, More skeptical. I saw well, that face drop. No, I'm just, I know, I have less of a curiosity about those, so I don't know. But I certainly, I again, like, I hope that it's real and I want to believe that it's real. Just because, like, 
at the end of the day, it's boring when it's just us. Amen. You know? Exactly. That is why we do this show. Yes. Because it is more fun to imagine this stuff than it is to not regard it. And I, I don't understand people who don't think about this kind of stuff. And it doesn't just come out of thin air. Like, it has to have some sort of origin. And whether, you know, we don't know what that is. But there's a reason we're talking about it. So. Absolutely. Great. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to have our story of high strangeness of the week. And we're back, BCC we're back. episode. Uh, I don't know what number this is yet, but you'll find out. Just look at your podcast. Yeah. Well, technically, it's not Riley. He's holding up seven because it's going to air a little bit later in January. Oh. So I think this is like eight or nine. You'll find out. You're, yeah, you already we might, know. We you might do a bonus know. episode. So. Oh, boy. Anyway, yeah. it is time for our story of high strangeness. It's Bryce's turn this week. Bryce, what do you got? Oh, man, I'm so excited about this one. So, um, you know, I'm a Californian now, and so I wanted to find something that was like kind of close to home, you know? And uh, did you guys know that California has more than 12,000 reported UFO sightings? It's number one, according to the National UFO Reporting Center. Any guesses on number two and three? Uh, I would actually say, wait, in the country? Yeah, in the country, the states. Mm, I'd say uh, Washington State. At number three, Washington, yeah. That's a yeah. really good guess. I what don't do you think, number why. two? I don't know, I was going to say like do Nebraska, it. but that's not right. Nebraska's not on there. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say somewhere on the East Coast. Well, Florida, it comes in at number two, oh, but almost <gasps> less than half. So um, anyway, so that brings me to my paranormal story of tonight, and, and it is called the... Uh, the Topanga Canyon UFO wave. Ooh, this sounds fun. Yeah, and we're kind of up here in the canyons with our Bigfoot clubhouse, uh, so this kind of hits close to home. Here's how the story goes. So I feel like we need some, like, Joni Mitchell to drop in right now and just play in the background. <laughs> we could do that. Um, so, June 14th, 1992, marks the beginning of a, of a UFO wave of gigantic proportions and around Topanga Canyon. So, Topanga Canyon is a rural community here in Southern California of about... 8,000 residents. Here's a little backstory. So in 1989, a man by the name of Preston Dennett, he writes an article to the local newspaper. The newspaper's called The Messenger. And the subject, and he's detail, he details the accounts of a couple stories he had heard living there. The subject was UFOs, right? And it was the first time the paper ever published anything regarding UFOs. Two years later, on June 14th, 1992, four se- basically the shit hits the fan. Four separate groups call the local sheriff's department in Malibu, in Malibu to report strange bright lights chasing their cars through the canyons of Topanga. And in one incident, actually a light beam picking up their car. So a couple weeks later, the same newspaper, The Messenger, publishes another article dated July 2nd through the 15th, 1992, entitled The Sixth Encounter. They came once more by a guy named Colin Penno. So by my math, you know, Preston reports the two and then the four incidents that were called in that night make six. Um, so in the article, he lays out a chilling account of the events that occurred that night with actual phone call testimony to the local sheriff's department about strange lights in the sky. In all, 17 different witnesses observed numerous strange craft flying through the canyon. I just want to read you like a little bit of the article. It's not too much, but it goes like this. Colin Penno writes, Sometime between midnight and dawn's early light, Sunday, June 14th, strange things happened in the night sky over Topanga. We can't account for it, we can't explain it, and those who could just aren't talking. Here's what we think we know. 
From somewhere in West Hollywood a couple of weeks ago, a shaken man called the Lost Hills Malibu Sheriff's Station to ask a question and tell a tale. They'd eaten dinner down at the beach on Gladstones, and then he and his girlfriend took off for a spin up the coast, turning north into the Santa Monica Mountains at Highway 27 for a peaceful night's drive through Topanga Canyon and home to the bright lights of L.A. He calls in, and this is in quotes, Did anyone report anything strange tonight in Topanga Canyon? Came the call. You want to be more specific, responds a dubious deputy. Strange like what? Lights. Not that I know of. With this question answered, the caller stumbled into an incredible story. Um, you'll think I'm crazy, this in quotes, but I don't know who to tell, he began. Officer, we were driving through the canyon, where the canyon gets deep, and we noticed a bright light in the sky. The couple became uneasy because they felt it was following them, whatever it was. In quotes, suddenly it was over us. We lost control of the car and it lifted us up into the sky, lifted us up off the ground. I'm telling you, I've never been more frightened in my life, he said, assuring the cop that we don't drink, we don't take drugs, and have no history of psychological problems. What happened next was vague, according to the driver, who reckons they both lost memory for, I don't know, maybe a couple of minutes, and then we were put down. Suddenly, the light, the craft, the tractor beam wasn't there anymore. Responding to a distraught but cogent caller, the listening officer stepped in from the cold of incredulity and asked, were they both okay? Well, we got home by the grace of God. My girlfriend was near hysterical. We felt nauseous for a week. Uh, we, we feel nauseous and weak. I don't know what to do. I'm telling you, I'm a normal human being, the caller pleaded in a quaking voice. I have a job, a good job, and my girlfriend too. Should I report this? They'll think we're out of our minds. I don't believe that something like this would fall under our jurisdiction. Do you think that this guy was just so lonely he wanted to call the cops and say he had a great job, a girlfriend, <laughs> and had an experience with the UFO? Well, no if psychological he, Yeah. Well, if he did, there were three other, uh, three other people who called in that night to—, to uh, Re retell similar stories of strange lights chasing their car through the canyons. Um, and one, one, one put was a beam on the home and stuff. Uh, but the one thing I don't buy is that you live in Topanga Canyon and you don't smoke pot. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, that's what this guy says. I don't do drugs. We didn't drink. He's any not a drug man. Yeah. No, but he, yeah, go ahead. I'm weirdly inclined to believe this person. I don't know if I'm just like, I'm gullible, but I, I believe. Well, so then the second call comes in, all right? And this one's, quote, My girlfriend and I saw three very strange... God, who does one report UFOs to? We saw three UFOs flying discs high up in the canyon past Sassafras Nursery. What'd they look like? Inquired the voice of the law. They were saucers. They were following us above the car, and we stopped and got out. We saw them, we watched them, and within maybe three seconds, poof, they were gone straight up into the air like a bat out of hell. And, uh, and then, you know, so then another, he also is funny enough. The second caller was quite calm. Um, disappointed. The second caller said, I don't know what we saw. Maybe Gladstone spiked our wine. So this, this couple comes from Gladstones too. All but, these unmarried couples. I know, but they're all <laughs> living in sin, but you know, it, but these were reported after midnight, you know, so this was probably traffic coming, mm, you know, the late after. A, yeah, totally. Um, and then there's a third caller, which, uh, the, the. Let's see. There's a the last. There's a third caller and a fourth caller. A guy from Texas, who you know basically says, uh, you know, there's helicopter lights like shining super bright, and and but anyway, so that's the Topanga Canyon I UFO love this wave. Stuff. Yeah, this is wow. this is crazy. And so Topanga Canyon for has been kind of it kind of calmed down after that, but. Uh, 
but they've been still having bizarre kind of UFO encounters. Do you know that there was a, a time, uh, this is years ago, uh, when I first moved to L.A., and I was up on the roof of my building, and I looked out towards, this is in, I lived in the Fairfax uh, district area, which is like basically the middle of, of LA. And I was out looking t- west towards where the ocean was. And I saw shooting up into the sky upwards, these swirling, very quickly moving, swirling, uh, lights or kind of orbs, just, they were kind of like orangey yellow and they just spiraled up and I watched them go all the way up into the clouds. Yeah. And at first I thought it was, um, you know how like you can drive by Universal Studios and you'll see like the fireworks, fireworks or, yeah. or stuff from like uh, one of the stunt shows, the old like Waterworld stunt show that they used to have. It looked like that because it started so low to the ground. I thought I was seeing some fireworks like off towards Santa Monica, but they didn't dissipate. They were like Roman candles that just kept shooting up into the sky and going all the way up and disappearing into the cloud cover. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, you know, we talked about this, I think, last episode of the episode, or not, um, a few episodes back, about weird stuff happening off the coast of Santa Monica. And oh, Malibu. yeah, there's a lots of UFO reports off of Malibu. Some people think there's a, an underwater alien base over there. And, but so, but there, there's a lot of, uh, Topanga Canyon seems to be this uh, sort of a UFO, not, funny enough, about uh, a week later, the the north the, the big seven point three earthquake happened oh, wow. in Landale. Wow, which was another kind of UFO um, uh, hotspot in a sense. But well, that's great. Okay, so <laughs> Bryce, thank you for that awesome sure. story. Sure. And uh, when we come back, we're gonna ask Esther, "What the hell was that?" Yeah, what the hell was that? <laughs> And we're back. Bigfoot Collectors Club. We just heard the story about the Topanga Canyon UFO flap from 1992. And I have to ask Esther, what the hell was that? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was really interesting. And it's I've got a taste for more. I'm really excited to keep listening to this show. Well, lucky for you, there's about a backlog of eight episodes. Yes. <laughs> Cha-ching. Um, I almost wonder, do you think there's a chance that... UFO sightings happened like in the 50s, 40s, whatever, up until the 90s. And then they kind of like don't happen now because the government knows how to you keep know, them from us. It's so funny you mention there right near this area is, is a place called Tahunga. And there is a whole other UFO episodic adventure called the Tahunga Abductions. And it started in the 40s and 50s, oddly enough, as you mentioned, right in that area where a few of the hippie people, we like to call them, started getting abducting, uh, abducted and, and, and um, reporting their cases. So it really started right near this area. Ten years later, the UFO Topanga Canyon wave hits. Wow. Wild. I mean, because I guess like the question I have is why hasn't this happened to me and why hasn't this <laughs> happened <laughs> to anyone that I know? I know? Because I really, it's always a story from like the olden times, not that in the 90s or the olden times we were all alive then, but like... Oh my God, spoken like a real millennial. No, yeah. I was alive. I was alive. But like, you know, we don't, I don't have firsthand... Well, researching this, I was just on YouTube and if you look up Topanga Canyon UFO, there's a lot of great video evidence of just recently took in place like in last year, the year before. Um, you know, there was over... Um, 1,100 UFO sightings reported to uh, to the National UFO Reporting Center so far this year, 353 of them in March. 
Um, so, and that's just people who report these things. So many there of us is an amazing don't report. Wow. There is know? an amazing story that we'll do in a future episode um, that I think was the inspiration for the movie Battle L.A. That was like a sci-fi. Yeah, that's film. right, Battle of Los Angeles. And Esther, when we do this episode, I'll send it to you. Mm-hmm. But there was, in a nutshell, there was, and you can hear the news reports from CBS Radio at the time. There was a giant craft during World War II that flew over the Long um, Beach Harbor. Yep, it's it flew. It came across the the hills over the valley. And then um, we had anti-artillery guns set up for in case Japan tried to invade L.A. And they fired at this object for 45 minutes. And they said that the shells wouldn't make contact as if this thing had a force field around it. Mm -hmm. They took... it was it was before the big flying saucer stuff yeah. even had, and they thought it was like a Japanese airship coming to bomb, and it didn't attack at all, but it floated all the way down to Long Beach Harbor, and then they had pilots, they had the U.S. Air Force out there. They were shooting at this thing. It made was the massive. LA Times. Yeah, they made the a cover big... of the L.A. Times. You can look up the old photo, and you can go find in archives. You can hear the radio, and it's and they the way the radio guy treats it is like large craft was flying over Los Angeles last <laughs> night, and blah blah blah, and he just reports it as fact. Yeah, and then they were like. We don't know what that is. And then, of course, because it's happening in the middle of a war, mm. it's kind of forgotten. But if you go back and listen to it's that, very, it is yeah. insane. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll have to get we'll have to do that one sometime. Yeah. Wow. That, I know. I'm always looking at things from the perspective of like, what do I need to be afraid of? And <laughs> I love that. <laughs> like, I feel like aliens haven't been on my radar lately, mm. but. They, Welcome it, back. Yeah, it does seem like <laughs> <laughs> it does seem like that. Do you want to go to Gladstones tonight? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I love me some Gladstones. And we'll, and we'll drive through the canyon. Right we'll have to midnight. do that one night well, on the anniversary. What? What? Time, June fourteenth. Okay, June fourteenth. You and I got a date this summer. Great, Gladstones, and we're gonna. Riley's coming a- with us. Esther, will you go? Yes. Great. Yes. Let's do it. We'll June fourteenth. We'll go to Gladstones. We'll drive Apple through the calendar. Canyon. Wait, June no 14th. joke. The pilot of Alone Together, which is what's airing tonight, we shot a scene at Gladstones. Oh my! What? So if you watch tonight, a lot of synchronicity in yeah. tonight's episode. A lot of synchronicity <laughs> yeah. today. This is amazing. Strange. I know it is weird. Wow. <laughs> Okay, all right. Well, we're going to we're going to take another quick break and when we come back, we're going to have our collectors corner. Yay. And we're back and it's time for the collectors corner. See, Esther, we're called the Bigfoot Collectors Club and Bryce and I not only collect paranormal stories, but we like things like comics and action figures. And sometimes actual Bigfoot collectibles. Yeah. uh, Bryce has brought a bunch of stuff in. Esther, is there anything you collect? So I'm a hoarder. So (laughs) there's... Is there anything I don't collect? Right. That's the real question. Do you display anything in your house? Um, Well, okay. In terms of a collection, no. But I do have Chris Farley's autograph, which is on display in my house. But that is like... That's my display piece. Um, When I was... Growing up, I collected stamps, but I don't really do that anymore. What was your favorite stamp? <sighs> I don't. I don't know. Like oh, series. I think I, oh, I know. I do know. I had like some limited edition Elvis stamps, Ooh, and I was trying I to get all those. of them. I'm an Elvis guy. I am too. Oh my gosh! I have. I love Elvis. I had like a weird dream about him in college, and ever since then, I'm like obsessed. Wait, really? What? Wait, what? <laughs> That's another. A, I what? Love that you. Real quick, tell us <laughs> Elvis dream. I don't know. It, I was just. 
I was in, we were in like a public restroom and I just like, I know nothing sexual happened, don't worry. <laughs> but like, I'm just washing my hands. Like he's another, I think he's one of those figures that again, I go back to like lonely child inside me, like who I'm really drawn to. And I think a lot of people like that are drawn to, and I don't know why if it's, yeah. I don't know what it is about him, but he's third most recognizable man in the world wow. next to Jesus and Santa and Florida. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Um, so you collected imaginary friends? <laughs> no, I never really did that. But I um, obviously collected Beanie Babies. But one, my real answer is, I was like, I'm always trying to go through old things when I find them in my parents' house. And maybe when I was like 15, I found this old toiletry bag of my dad's, and it had a little, um pack of matches from a restaurant called Chasen's, which happened to be like a big restaurant in Los Angeles. It's no longer open, but it was like where Alfred Hitchcock would dine and like all these like glam Hollywood celebs. Um, Yeah. It's called Chasen's. It has a Wikipedia. It's kind of like a Musso and Frank's. I think so. Yeah. And I thought that was so cool that because my dad just randomly had that and it made me like, I don't know, it just felt really special to me because it was such an old piece. And then from there, I'm like, oh, I think collecting little match packs is like a cool thing. And so I, I try, whenever I see like a nice one, I always try to grab it. And uh, not so long ago, uh, you were home, I think last Thanksgiving break, perhaps. Oh, I know. And where this you took is a going. photo <laughs> of the McDonald's Happy Meal Chicken McNugget yes. Halloween figures that used to come in the happy meals from yes. the like late 80s early 90s yes and i had forgotten about those and then instantly saw that and went oh i had those too know, they're the, they're and your the... mom displays them over halloween or yeah well so i was home for one day and i was like that she didn't have them out and i'm like we have to put them out i like demand her to yeah, put I guess them it out wasn't Thanksgiving. Year. That would make sense. It was right before Halloween, but yeah, they're the little plastic chicken McNuggets, and they all have different little Halloween costumes. There's like a ghost and a Frankenstein, <laughs> the Dracula. Yeah, they're so cute, and they're like I collected Happy Meal toys when I was a little kid, and these are for some reason the the set that my mom kept, and I I love that. I loved, and you may not have been alive yet, but the Muppet Babies. Oh yeah! Uh, in like 1986, it was when it was right what? when McDonald's toys started to get kind of good. Yeah, right, because they were good for a while. Yeah, now they're they not good, good no, but no, they, were they were so good. good. Everything's not good now. I know. God. I know. You walk through Toys R Us, and it's just like I mean, it's still pretty good, but you're like, this isn't the store of yesteryear. No. <laughs> I'm Sorry. No, I'm with you. <laughs> Going off on a tangent there. Old man. Old toy man. Collector. Toys are rose, toy collector. Uh, Bryce, do you have anything to share with us today? Yeah, sure. I brought... Uh, hold on. Let me get it. Oh, he's always got to reach into his magic I bag. I switched last minute. I wanted to bring this oh, guy. Oh, this guy's cool. Check this guy. I got him at the Ohio Bigfoot oh. Conference. Whoa. He's a stuffed Bigfoot. He's, he's got a... big red eyes. Yeah, he's so oh, cute. I love him. I got him for my son. There was a guy from London. This I... is the second stuffed animal you've brought in, and I go, oh, it's just so cute. I know, I, love I know, him. I know. I got to go get me one of these. I've got a lot of stuffed animals. I give them all to my boy, cute. but uh, yeah, it's pretty cute. And... um yeah, so it's a guy from London, and his wife makes these, I think. Oh, and, those are rad. I got to so get one like, of those. I got to have that, yeah. I love it. My bulldog will try to steal it from me, though. <laughs> yeah. His hand already fell off, but my other daughter, Charlie, sewed it back on. Oh, she was so proud. Kid. She came up to me last night. She's like, 
I feel really good that I like I helped you <gasps> and for your thing because you want to bring stuff to your, and then your what Bigfoot did, show. They have, my family all did you have to explain to her that hands <laughs> really don't do. grow out of heads? And <laughs> what a terrible job she did. Oh, boy. Uh, all right. Well, we're about to wind up this session in the clubhouse. Before we go, yep. Esther, where can people find you? Um, so if you're interested in beauty or self-care or health, diet, fitness, you should listen to Glowing Up, which is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And also my series Alone Together, which premieres today as this episode comes out, if you're listening to it on that day. Um, and And that's that's on Freeform. That's on Freeform Wednesdays at 8.30. And my Instagram is Esther Monster, and that's probably where I do the most posting. Awesome. And... If you're in San Francisco, I'm coming to do stand-up and a live podcast January 20th and 21st. Ooh. And Freeform, just so you know, listeners, is what ABC Family used to be, and then they rebranded as Freeform. Yes. I didn't know that mm-hmm. until recently, so that's good. To, you can find it on your on your TV. Yeah, and the show is just a half-hour comedy, and it doesn't feel like what you'd expect to see on ABC Family. It's more like a Comedy Central-type sensibility. I've seen... Uh, Pieces of it's very funny. Oh, thank it's great. you. If thank you like you. Broad City, you'll like this show, I think. Is that fair? I think so. Yeah, That's a, a, I mean, that show's different. amazing. I hope we're no, like half in, as good. It's but... in that vein of like yeah. friends hanging out yeah. and embarrassing themselves and then also getting in kind of fun. Yeah, I should adventures. probably say what it's about. If no you one, want to, yeah, it's do just it. me, and, me and my best guy friend. We're platonic male female friendship. And you can also see me on Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Yeah, Friday. we're back. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, the final five episodes are airing this month of, of, Season three, which is why we're uh, check we're, them out. Yeah, we're having this little crossover series right now. And so we definitely had check that so out. So much fun this oh, season. Man. This is a really fun year. I know. And especially when we came back, the episodes that are airing now, mm-hmm. we really had too much fun. I know. It was a really good time. Bryce, where can people find you? Uh, so check us out at on Instagram at Bigfoot Collectors Club. And you know what? We're starting to collect uh, some paranormal stories at our email oh, account. Thank at you for mentioning that. Club at gmail.com. So yes, write in with thank your you stories. For sending those. Though they have been great. Uh, I think you've already heard some of them by now, uh, but we need more. So please, because we're going to keep doing listener uh, episodes. I'm at McMills, uh, uh, two Zs on all the uh, social media stuff. Um, before we go, I want to thank uh, Riley Bray, our sound engineer. Yeah. I, of course, want to thank Esther. Ooh. And uh, I just want to give a big shout out and a huge thanks to Lotus Pool Records and the band Sun Eaters for our music from the song Come Alone. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. 
As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.